Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. We hope you enjoy the message. Our first Bible reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He is risen. Without those three words, the Christian faith is completely useless. Our hope, our confidence, our future, our eternal life all hinge on those three words. He is risen. And man, they are wonderful words, life-changing words, powerful words. At Easter time, we remember that death couldn't hold Jesus Christ in the grave. The ultimate enemy to life was defeated as he rose again. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. But if he has risen, then everything has changed. Nothing is impossible in the light of resurrection. As Christians, this is the truth that makes Easter so magnificent. Resurrection is the hope that keeps us going through all the ups and all the downs and all the in-betweens of life. The resurrection is the unshakable security that we have, and it's why we can be confident at all times, even times like the one we're currently experiencing with COVID-19. Knowing and experiencing Jesus gives us that hope because for us, we know the end of the story. We can read about Jesus' resurrection. We can flip to the last page of the Bible and we can see that in the end, Jesus wins. We know that the horrors of the crucifixion at the cross of Calvary were not the end. So today is a great day of joy and a great day of celebration. The most important day in the Christian calendar as we celebrate the greatest day in human history. This year, it's a bit different. In 2020, we celebrate it together as an online community right there in our lounge rooms. Yet it's no less a celebration of the life we have in Christ compared to any other year. But for the people in Jesus' day, they didn't have the benefit of knowing what we know. They had no idea of what the future held. I often try and imagine what it would have been like for those people in between the first Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. We know what it was like for the disciples because it's recorded in the Gospels. They were shattered, absolutely heartbroken. The man they had followed for three whole years of their life, the one who performed great miracles and had made stunning promises, was now dead and their hope was buried with him. They must have felt so stupid. We thought he was the Messiah. We believed everything he said. We even left our families and our careers to be with him. And now he's been crucified in the most public and humiliating way. We're a laughing stock. Disappointed? No doubt. Embarrassed? Probably. Terrified? Definitely. John's Gospel records them hiding in a locked room after Jesus' death, afraid of the Jewish leaders. If they killed Christ, then surely the disciples would be next. For the disciples, it was an incredibly dark time. But for Jesus' enemies, the Roman soldiers, the Jewish leaders, the high priests, and the crowds that cried, crucify him, They must have had the opposite feeling. 
this so-called false teacher, this man who crowds had flocked to hear his teaching and witness his miracles, was a threat to the Roman Empire and to the religious establishments alike. He had to be stopped. And they finally got rid of him. They wiped him off the face of the earth. They must have been celebrating at the thought that this temporary cult of Christianity had reached its end before it even got started. But little did they know that God's plan for humanity was in full swing, even in the midst of death. In fact, that was always part of his plan. Right there in the tomb, something was stirring that would change their lives and our lives forever. They could never have known that something was happening at that time that we'd still be celebrating over 2,000 years later. Recently at home, we redid our front garden. And part of that front yard blitz was the planting of seeds. And when you first bury a seed, there's, there's really nothing to show for it. You know, it's placed underneath the soil and in some ways you simply forget it's even in the ground. It's out of sight and it's out of mind. But that's the way that it has to be. For a seed to grow, it first needs to go into the soil. For any flower to bloom, it first needs to be buried. But over time, as the seed germinates there in the darkness under the soil, growth starts to occur. You can't see it at first, but eventually it bursts through the soil as new life emerges. In our front yard now, life that didn't exist just a couple of months ago now exists in abundant growth in the seeds that were sown. We have fruit and vegetables, we have flowers and plants, and they all came from little seeds that were buried. The seeds were buried to bloom. That's the name of our Easter series that follow this year, Buried to Bloom. And the analogy of the plants in my front yard is a helpful picture when we consider Jesus' resurrection. As far as the world was concerned, after the crucifixion, Jesus Christ was dead and buried, soon to be forgotten. So many had seen him beaten and whipped. Many witnesses had watched him nailed to a cross. They were there when the Roman soldier pierced his side with a spear and they saw him (gasps) gasp his last breath. Others took him to be laid in the tomb. He was dead and buried. And as far as they were concerned, life could go back to normal, out of sight, out of mind, out of memory. But on the third day, emerging from the tomb was something completely unexpected, even for his closest disciples. As they killed Jesus and buried him in a tomb, they thought they had got rid of him. But what they'd actually done is to plant a seed, a seed of new life, a seed of hope, A seed of resurrection, a seed that would validate all the claims he made of himself here on earth, a seed that would soon activate a powerful and eternal army of people called the church. Their belief that they had ended Jesus once and for all couldn't have been any further from the truth because out of the darkness of the tomb emerged something truly magnificent, which 2,000 years later is a movement that is still growing, bearing fruit and blooming right across the earth. Jesus was a seed of unimaginable victory over sin and death. Jesus had paid the penalty of our sin on the cross that Good Friday, but now on Resurrection Sunday, he'd conquered not only the power of sin, but also the power of death itself. He was buried so that we could bloom. Here's where things are really awesome, because the Bible talks about the idea of us being buried with Christ. We know that Jesus died for our sin, but when we put our faith in Jesus, the New Testament uses this little term over and over again. The term is this, that as Christians, we are in Christ. The idea being that Jesus was buried because of our sin, but when we trust in him and accept his sacrifice on our behalf, it's like we're buried with him. 
all of our sin and shame from the things we've done wrong and the mistakes we've made are buried with Jesus because he took the punishment for them. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Not only are we buried with Christ, but the Bible says we're also resurrected with Him. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were buried uh, that we were buried in our sin, but in Christ we rise from death to new life. We're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's like we've been born again. This is the power of resurrection. And it's what Jesus offers through a relationship with him. And it is truly wonderful. If you've experienced this already in your life at Easter time, don't miss the power of it. Live in it today. Wonder afresh in the gift that Jesus has given you. Take some time to really reflect on the truth that you have been resurrected in Christ from death to life. This is the greatest miracle you can ever experience. It's not resuscitation. It's not being revived. It's resurrection. You've probably all seen those movies where someone is resuscitated via mouth to mouth after drowning in a pool. Or you blow breath in their mouth and you listen to their chest and you repeat until they spit up the water and start to breathe again. Or you might have seen doctors in an operating theatre use the paddles on a patient when their heart stops. They put the paddles just above their heart and then they, they say clear and the voltage gets pumped up and and then they do it again, clear, and they do it again over and over again. And if it's successful, they'll shock the heart back into rhythm and save the person's life. When it comes to what Jesus has done to our spiritual life, we're not talking about being resuscitated or revived. We're talking about being resurrected. We were dead in our sins, stone cold dead. No hope of revival. No chance of resuscitation, separated from God by our sin and heading for an eternity apart from his presence. Dead in our sins, no hope of life. We were dead. Resuscitation wouldn't do it. Revival wouldn't help. Resurrection was our only hope. Well, thankfully at Easter, we remember that we have a saviour who says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. The moment of faith, the instant we ask Christ to save us, we're not revived, we're not resuscitated, we're resurrected from death to life. And it's only possible because Jesus defeated death and in him we can as well. That's the hope we have today and every day. And it's what we celebrate at Easter with those three powerful words, he is risen. 1 Corinthians 15 describes Jesus as the first fruits of resurrection. In other words, what happened to him in that tomb will happen to all of those who put their faith in him. We've been resurrected spiritually, but we also have a future hope that even after physical death, when Jesus returns, our physical bodies will be resurrected to new and eternal life with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus promises he's returning to make all things new, including us. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. And yet Jesus doesn't want us to just sit around doing nothing while we wait. He's resurrected us to new life, to live for him right now. So what does that look like? Well, in a few moments, Adam and I are going to conclude our Easter series by discussing how Jesus was buried so that you and I can bloom. 
We're going to revisit Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45. And so let's read that this morning as we prepare. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, I love Easter Sunday. I love talking about the resurrection hope we have for the future, um, but also like thinking about what resurrection power means for us in the present. And so we're going to spend a bit of time, Adam and I, just talking about that from the passage that we've been focusing on recently, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45, and particularly the first two verses in that passage today. G'day, Adam. How are you? Doing well. What about yourself? I'm going really well, mate. Happy awesome. Easter. Thank you. You too. It's good to be here. Happy Easter, everybody else as well. Yeah, it's good to... Uh, have a bit of a chat about um, such an important thing, resurrection, and um, we're going to talk about what it means for us in the present, but I thought it'd be good, first of all, I just talked in the sermon about a future resurrection being resurrected bodily. What do you reckon our body's going to be like when we're resurrected? Oh, what a question. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, I, I'd love to speculate. You know, obviously we read in scripture, there'll be no more crying and no more pain in heaven. And um, But I, I mean, I, I just love the idea of God uh, putting us together in the way that we're meant to be, you know, um, not being weighed down by sin or by these earthly bodies. However, I would love to see my resurrected body have a full head of hair. That would be nice. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. A six pack would be nice too, I think. Yeah. I think of Adam and Eve, you know, they weren't created, um, they didn't come into the world as a, a newborn and they weren't mm. a 90 year old. They're probably like a healthy young adult kind of at their prime. Yeah, and, that's right. And I like to think my resurrected body will be my prime, you know. That Absolutely. Kind of body, if you eat a donut, your six pack gets more pronounced, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So. Um, that would be nice. It'd be awful to, to die at like 99 and then come back with that body. Oh. You know, I think it's going to be better than that. <laughs> that would be horrible. All the aches and pains. <laughs> I don't think it'd be like that. So I'm looking forward to a new resurrected body in the future. Absolutely. Um, but what are the characteristics of a resurrected Christian now? What does it look like yeah. to be a new creation and how do we live for Jesus in the present? Yeah. I think a resurrected Christian now is by taking on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. I think, um, you know, as we saw in the sermon a couple of weeks or last week, um, of living like Jesus lives and being a servant and giving ourselves away and being merciful and compassionate and loving and um, looking out for our neighbour and the marginalised. But, um, you know, when I think of what it means for a Christian to be resurrected, um, I think of transformation, you know. Um, it's easy to look at the, the scriptures and you see the disciples when Jesus had died, they were hiding in the upper room. They weren't coming out at all. They were fearful. Um, and then they go to being courageous and willing to die for their faith. And all of them, apart from John, died horrific deaths. Um, and John su- survived being boiled in oil. So he didn't have a, an easy life. Um, and the reason that they had transformed so drastically from being hiding away and, and cowarding away in the upper room to to living their faith out so drastically with such courage is that they interacted with the resurrected King, Jesus. And I think that we can have the same thing. So um, our lives are transformed from who we were before to, to, to Christ. And I think that's 
to me, that's what it would be. The resurrected life is is transformation. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's like an upside down kingdom. So I think very a lot of what we see in the world it's it's kind of the opposite to that. It's not, and this is what Jesus you know talked about in Mark chapter ten that he didn't come to be served but to serve and give his life. And, and I think, like you said, uh, he's role modeling for us what mm. life in the kingdom looks like. And Absolutely. When we're resurrected from death to life, we leave behind those old um, ways of selfishness and doing things for our own glory and we actually are resurrected to a new life where we live for Jesus mm. and we become part of the greatest mission ever to share yeah. the good news of Christ and yeah. um, the resurrection story and to have that hope for the future that we have as a people of God. So, Absolutely. Um, so I think it's really important that we we follow Jesus' footsteps mm. um, and everything else in the world will often pull us the other way. You know, yeah. It's all towards self-promotion and um, getting applause and, and pats on the back and all that mm. sort of stuff but the kingdom of God is the opposite and if anyone should have got the praise and the glory and people bowing down to him, it was Jesus, and yet they hung him on a cross. Absolutely. Um, and in his life, he just modelled that beautiful service. And as I said in the sermon today um, or this weekend, he didn't just you know, serve to a certain level and, and no further. Like he served to the point of death. Yeah. And for us, we're now called to live our lives that way where we lay our lives down, maybe not physically mm. dying, um, but but dying to our own selfishness and dying to our own wants yeah. and desires and putting other people above ourselves. Absolutely. Well, we're called to be living sacrifices and if we're living any life other than fully giving ourselves away for Jesus and for others, then we're actually doing a disservice to his sacrifice. We're actually doing a disservice to to what he's done for us. So we need to we need to give ourselves away. We need to to die to ourselves. You know, I love how Dietrich Bonhoeffer said when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. You know, that's 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 all of us. That's that's our our call is to come and die to ourselves and to live for Jesus and live like Jesus. Yeah, yep. it's, it's it's a big call, but it's a wonderful one. Yeah, I heard someone say once the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> that's uh, right. I think that's so true. You know, yeah. like we we keep crawling off the altar. We've got to keep coming back to that place of serving. Yeah, and that's what Jesus did, and that's what He wants His followers to do. So absolutely, it's a great challenge, but it's um it's really rewarding as well. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, and yeah. we're sort of hardwired in our own sinful nature, I guess, but also by the messaging of the world that to be happy, it's all about getting stuff for yourself. Um, you know, to be blessed is to actually receive it. But Jesus says, no, no, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So uh, living that kind of life and leaning into that and stepping into that, you don't really know it until you actually start to live it. Yeah. Um, But it's transformational. Absolutely. Not just for yourself but also those around you. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the obstacles personally and um, as a group of people to living that kind of life? Yeah, I think the obstacles are ourselves. Like, you know, I heard this quote once as I love France, just pity about French people, you know. (laughs) Um, And I think the same for us is, you know, I love Christ. And some people have said this, but pity about Christians. I know – uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone said, um, "I love your, I love your Christ, but I do not love your Christians. They're so unlike your Christ." And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I think like it was that, like, yeah, someone like that. And it's just, it's so, it's so true. Is that we need to, we need to live for Jesus. But you know, we're we're battling with ourselves. We're battling with our battling with our sinful nature and the things that we want to do. Even Paul said, "I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do." Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest obstacle to to dying to ourselves and living for Jesus is us and the fact that we keep crawling off the altar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that is the biggest obstacle. We've got all the messaging of the world and all that sort of stuff, but no bigger obstacle than our own mm-hmm. selfish desires that that need to be resurrected constantly. So yeah. we're resurrected spiritually the moment we give our lives to Jesus, but we mm. need that resurrection power every day to go from that kind of thinking that leads to death to that thinking that 
causes you to live in life. That's life right. To the full. So that's right. Yeah, really powerful. So our series has been called Buried to Bloom. Jesus was buried for us to bloom through resurrection power, where he brings us from death to life. If you could dream of what the church would look like when it's blooming, how would you describe it? I would describe it as famous. Um, you know, the church is is famous in the world. Actually, it's probably infamous. Mm-hmm. You know, the, lots of people know about the church and um, particularly of late, there's been accusations against people in the church and um, the church has not always acted in the, in the best interest of people throughout history. Um, and, you know, that comes with, with negative press. And uh, I think that the church is relatively infamous and um, I would love to see the church famous for love and compassion and mercy and generosity mm-hmm. and giving itself away. You know, when I when I announced on Facebook uh, to my friends, "Hey, I'm I'm starting at Follow Baptist Church," someone who I hadn't talked to in many years, and I, as far as I'm aware, doesn't go to Follow, said, "Hey, that's that church that uh, runs the food van down in the park," and um. To me, that was a really great thing to see and to hear because I'm like, man, this is great. This church has um, has become famous in in the community for wonderful things, for acting like Jesus. And um, I would love to see a church that when people say, hey, you know the church? And they're like, yeah, I know the church. They're the ones that love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that genuinely care. They're the ones that give of themselves that when I know that I need help and I need someone to care for me, I can go to the church. Um, and through that, uh, Jesus is made famous because we are taking on his character. So yeah, I would love to see the church, and I think the resurrected church looks like a church that is famous for being like Jesus. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so he was buried for us to bloom. I think of like a paddock, and if you see green grass, it can look beautiful, but if you've ever seen those fields full of poppies or some other sort of wild flower mm. and just the colour and vibrancy, it just comes to life. And I think of the church like that, that the ch- people should look at us and see something colourful and vibrant and, um, you know, exuberant passionate worship and generosity and all those things you talked about before. I think, you know, if people could look at a Christ-like church, I think that's what it would look like. And so that's the challenge for us that get back on the altar, come back to that upside down kind of way of living. But everyone else says if you live that way, you'll miss out. But Jesus says if you want to find your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. And so that's um, the power of resurrection, I think. And so we have a future hope, but we have a present mission. And um, so I hope today you found it really helpful as we've gone through the Buried to Bloom series. And I really hope and pray that you'll join us as part of his church, not just in the officer area, but worldwide, as we really desire to live for him and to bloom in a way that we are vibrant and colourful. And uh, it's life-changing for us, but it becomes life-changing for the world as well. Thanks a lot for joining us over the Easter weekend. We hope you've been really blessed. Um, It's great to gather together as a community. And I pray that you get some time this week to really think and reflect on what Easter means for you. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.